At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Howdy, everyone. If you enjoy the show, join our free Discord. Link in the description and chat with the cast. Please leave a review and consider joining our Patreon for behind-the-scenes content and more. Tears start at a dollar, and even that helps us out. To stay up to date with episode releases and more, follow us on Twitter at Riffway Podcast. Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Realms, the 5e D&D podcast where we discuss all you need to know about world building, from gods and demons to mountains and molehills. I'm Nathan, the dungeon master and creator of Riftwag. I'm Josh, your co-host and fellow dungeon master, world builder, and fantasy enjoyer. Today we'll be talking about ideologies. Uh, ideology. Stuff. Adigalagies. Adigalagi. I dick. Oh. Well. <laughs> well established, Nathan is in fact a sub. Everyone who gets onto the Discord, be sure to remind him. No, no. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a dick. No, 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 Josh. No. Not only is he a bottom, he is also a sub. Help. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start this. Moving on. <laughs> Onwards we shall go. Onwards and upwards. Onwards and inwards. Um, so, you keep saying Josh, things like that. <laughs> what, what is a religion? What is, what, a, what is I, a religion? I, I have not heard of it before. I don't what believe What is this thing it. called a religion? Religion? <laughs> is, is that a French it's, term? It's, it's, it sounds very French. Religion. religion. Sounds like a weapon of sorts. <laughs> Something that dilutes the mind and weakens the soul. Ah, great. Um, <laughs> so in... D&D, and e- even in like a lot of fantasy or in sci-fi worlds, uh, religion will play hugely differing roles depending upon the type of game that you're playing. Um, it's super possible that religion is a purely 
like cultural phenomenon um, where it is based off of a specific religious group um, that does not play any part in actual um, abilities, powers, or anything like that. That it's just kind of a thing that they as a culture believe. Or it's like, this is how the natural progression of the universe works, and things are this way. Um, with your D&D kind of religious information, a lot of that is there are gods slash demons slash devils slash super demons and super devils that are responsible for specific gods. things. Right. And like that doesn't change across cultures. Like just because there is a goblin god, um, that doesn't mean that they're they are, they are a goblin god for all goblin cultures and all goblin knowledge. So it's it's um The Lord of the Gobbies. The Lord of the Gobbies. Um and then, you know, the Lord of the Storms is the same Lord of the Storms for everyone in a lot of in a, in a lot of settings. Um But of course, you're world building. So you get to pick how the gods are represented or yes. thought of. I wish for a god of itchy buttholes. All right, that's going to probably have to be a demigod, like a sub-god of the body and also of flatulence. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what is something yeah. that's mildly annoying? I don't know. Think. Big thunk. Let's, let's think. <laughs> Big think about something that's mildly annoying. Um... People Not on Discord quite remembering something. Let's go with that. <laughs> okay. You want me to make a demigod for not remembering things? Sure. Uh, the god of knowledge and the god of chaos is kid. Done. Whoa, pog. Poggers. <laughs> and, and like, like, it doesn't have to be like that, of course. But if you wanted to have a system where everything has a divine domain and offshoots of those ideas are a result of offspring that occurs between those characters or those gods. You can do that. That is entirely up to you. How important religion is, is going to be completely different depending upon the types of worlds that you're going to be creating. Um, and, and this goes back to our previous episodes about gods. Like, what do they do? Are they important? Um, do they concretely exist or do they, or do they exist in the mind or do they not exist and people just talk about them? Um, when world building, it's important to make those distinctions within yourself. So that way, when you inevitably have a cleric and or religious character introduced to everyone, uh, you don't go, oh, well, uh, I think um, his name is Brother Thomas and this is Father Thomas. Ah, uh, brother and father Thomas. And they have swords, I suppose. <laughs> they have swords, you suppose. Um, and as you're kind of getting into these religious stories, like religious histories, and like how they impact different cultures, or if they impact different cultures, um, you should keep in mind, like, what stories do religious people tell, and how does these stories impact how characters should behave, like what's considered yes. moral in so, their areas. So, what, okay, Josh, give me something immoral. Murder. Okay, 
Why is murder immoral, Josh? Give me the religious story. The religious story on why religion is mur- is wrong? All no, right, why let's, murder let's, is let's wrong. Hop, let's hop over to Christianity real quick. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's that's... talk about the Cain and Abel story. <laughs> whoa, who is this Cain and Abel? Abel? So... Abel? Abel? Abel gets his shit rocked by his brother. Oh, damn. <laughs> like Abel gets murdered because Cain is jealous, and God goes, okay, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. You're cursed oh. forever. And oh. so that gives you a general idea, like, ah, God must think murder's pretty bad. <laughs> what, 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 what right does he have, you know? I, I don't I know, get right? it. Who, who does God think he is? Yeah, you know, like, it's just a brotherly scuffle. He's dead. Yeah, exactly. Just a small but, scuffle. Just a small. Like, like, that is the that is the eventuality of all sibling relationships. Oh yeah, you either end up being best friends, or you end up with one of you in jail and the other one in a box. Yes. <laughs> the, the dichotomy. The dichotomy. <laughs> um. So that that is though a lot of what religion has impact with culture is they tell parables they tell stories that tell the people this is what right and wrong is it's wrong because the gods say it's wrong or it's right because the gods say it's right um and a lot of the times morality doesn't need to go much deeper than that especially if you are dealing with a system where Evil and good are tangible forces in the universe. Um, like, as far as D&D goes, it's probably one of the most deeply moralistic systems I've seen in a long time, where evil and good and law and chaos are forces that exist within the like entire structure of how the universe exists. Wild. So Josh, you're telling me I cannot justify my killing of young innocent children? No, you could not morally justify it, but you might be able to emotionally justify it. Um, and of course, if you think no, you're no, doing it no. in service of a dark think god, about then maybe you could. Think about it. If, uh, all these children are future Hitlers. Done. If Whoa. you think about it, if you think about all these children as enemy combatants in your fight to purge evil from the world, I think yes. you can justify basically anything. Yes, exactly. I agree with this. I believe that we <laughs> should use it. I call it spawn killing. I think it's a very I, effective method of I think, winning a know, war. Just bring back the crusades, honestly. Like, if push comes to shove, just kill them and set them on fire if you think they're wrong. Exactly. I think, like, <laughs> discussion is so disgusting. Mm-hmm. Mouths are, are are bad. I Talking rather we through things disgusting. I yeah. You know what we should do? I, I I hate I hate having holes in my mouth. You know what? Um, mm-hmm. I hate having a mouth. Yeah, you need I that wish, fill, don't you? I wish. <laughs> no, <laughs> I wish <laughs> I had a way to make new holes on people. That's why knives are cool. Ominous typing in the background. (laughs) (laughs) All right, (laughs) moving on. Every time that there's a no context spoiler, I'm posting it in the Discord right away with no context. Help. 
I'll sit down. So if that doesn't entice you to join our Discord, I don't know what possibly could. <laughs> it updates in real times on Nathan being a fucking weirdo. <laughs> oh god. So, okay. <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> uh those we're still talking about religion we talked about the stories that they tell and how those are you know those impact your themes and moral demands um now what changes on based upon the setting is kind of more along the lines of who believes it um do stories about the gods or stories about you know your assorted religious officials change across cultures across state lines across like countries like is the big hero god of the human pantheon um kind of like the big bad evil demonic force of Whoa. a orc, po orc population that is very cool it's like yeah. on one side yes uh our our god king god guy john God, John God. Let's call him John God because that is a very good God name. Yeah, one so person's human. prophet is another person's apostate. And then to to the, the like, oh, he killed all the arcs, and then the arcs are like, yeah, he killed all the arcs. <laughs> How terrible! Oh. <laughs> this is this is what you come here for for very deep and analytical content. Mm-hmm. Once we get out of religion, Nathan will be back into something approximating his wheelhouse. <laughs> right now, he's just like, mm -hmm, yep, religion. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I, I understand. Know. I know these things. These, um, yes. And that also becomes the question of, like, do the gods themselves change over across cultures? Like, do dwarves or, you know, Genasi have their own deity associated with... Uh, the forge or with law or with you know things like that do pantheons change as you change cultures or are they all one solid block maybe it's like the greek and roman gods where they steal each other's ideas constantly 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 <laughs> i love teth um, but then also, not only did the Romans steal Greek gods, they stole everyone's gods. And we're like, no, no, no. These gods are the same. They've been the same the whole time. We've Whoa. just been calling them different. <laughs> like, and so Romans would bend over backwards to fit um, other people's pantheons into their own after they had been conquered. Uh, which is like, that's something so cool it's like a fun little fact not a lot of people know and is awesome to include in your fucking possibly world building. The, possibly the first instance of cultural appropriation Whoa. <laughs> the very the very first time cultural was appropriated gotta love it now we're gonna gotta love the cancel romans. the romans cancel the <laughs> oh yes let's cancel the roman <laughs> it's like not even live to get canceled <laughs> Like, oh. Can't get cancelled if you don't exist, idiot. It's like you, mm. what 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 they do is they just travel around to different museums, stop breaking shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like fuck you. <laughs> Romans can eat shit. It's like um, 
that's priceless. It's like, yeah, exactly. That's why I must die. It's some dust now. I put a price on this fucking rubble. Give him double middle fingers and walk away. Um, and so, I mean, these, these are important little pieces of world building. Um, your religious world building is going to be dependent upon system that you're playing in, uh, the impact that you want the gods or followers of the gods to have, and basically how different states, cultures, and everything relate to each other through this lens, right? Like, a foreign people with a foreign deity make excellent antagonists for, like, people who are afraid of the outside world, like people who are more isolationist or even expansionist. You're like, no, we must bring our deities to these people who do not see, you know, kind of thing. It, it produces interesting inter intercultural conflicts. Yes. Um, the battle of ideologies. Ooh. Yeah. Cause I mean, a lot of the times you're going to be working at a time where having a different god was actually a huge deal. Um, or, like, well, my, my guy maybe is better than matter. your guy. He's more powerful. <laughs> he has, he has, a, has a laser. My well, my guy has, a, has a laser protection armor. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I have a rocket launcher, magic, holy rocket launcher. Mm hmm. That's more powerful. That that can blast through your laser protection. That my shield. lasers can hit you. Yeah, laser <laughs> protection shield defense thing. Well, I have a point defense grid that shoots down super missiles. <laughs> well, I have a super missile defense shield protector device. Jesus. All right, well, you've one up me this time, but I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back with even more gods. <laughs> um, this is not to throw shade at religious people, because I am a religious person. And Nathan I mean, Josh is very religion. much not. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that I am extremely pious. Yes! Okay. Is that when you shove pies down your face? Your yes. <laughs> I am utterly filled to I the brim am, with pies. I am filled to the brim with pies. That's going in the no context Discord spoiler. <laughs> oh no. We should actually have an entire text channel called No Context Nathan. I'm making it literally right now. Oh, okay. This concerns me. <laughs> Help, I'm being made into a joke. <laughs> am I am I the only source of comic relief on this show? <laughs> I mean, I, someone has to be serious. <laughs> no, no, it's it's here. <laughs> Help! Filled to the brim with pies. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's not the worst thing I've said. No, not even close. <laughs> Um, so in this kind of ideological space of your world building, um, take into account your core pillars, 
take into account how you want the world to feel um, and take into very careful account how the evil versus good and law versus chaos kind of grid has met equilibrium, right? Like where are the, where do people feel like the world exists? Is it in a state of law? Is it in a state of chaos? Um, does there, evil reign supreme or does good has good triumph or are they, you know, is there a going tough to middle be, ground? Mm -hmm. Like, um, big fighty over ideals. Yes. Yes. Right. Is there? Because there might not be. Can you imagine? It's like, okay, I, I believe that, um, I forgot what I was going to say. I believe that remembering mm -hmm. shit is good. And you're like, no. Memory <laughs> is evil. Uh -huh. The memory of evil things caused them <laughs> to exist. Mm -hmm. You must all forget. And I suggest that the best way to forget is to carve a massive hole in my brain <laughs> and remove it. Whoa. <laughs> What? How is it? <laughs> what? what? I can't even put that into no context, Nathan. I don't even know what was said. I don't know what I'm doing. I am. What? Am I on drugs? I don't think I am. Possibly. Am was just said right now. <laughs> like, I, I don't even know the point that was trying to get across. I, I don't, don't know understand. what the point I was trying to get across. <laughs> We're talking about evil versus good and law versus chaos, finding a delicate balance. We're talking about trilling holes in your skull <laughs> to forget about evil. What? Yes. <laughs> the source of all evil. Mm -hmm. Humanity. Ah, there you go. That, oh, yes. That, that's a good one. That's so a you classic start... AI ethos. No, no, no. Think about it. If some some person thought that and they just started killing people, they would be justified. Think about it. I suppose they'd be justified in their own moral framework, but not it's in like, everyone's yes, all moral people framework. are evil. I must kill them all. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Does that mean I'm evil? Shit, I'm killing people. Whoa. But since I'm already evil. evil, I might as well kill the evil people. Yay. That's the classic. Religion. That's the classic, I'm not going to be allowed into heaven anyway, so I might as well be as bad as possible. It's not actually how it works. Um, um, so, politics. 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 Um, Josh, can you give me your very cancelable views on politics? Oh, why do you, I, want, I want only your most cancelable view on politics. <laughs> Please. Um, so politics is basically a lesson in conflict, um, conflict and how different people attempt to approach different goals um, using the apparatus of government. Um, so the first question that you need to ask if you're if you are even going to introduce politics into your system is who is in conflict? And why, right? Um, there needs to basically be a reason why these two different groups are opposed. 
like you have the monarchists versus the republicans or you have the um the aristocracy versus the common man like how does this conflict impact and exist across the Ooh. culture as a whole can you um, imagine and people mm -hmm. you have this whole thing like yes we should ban all magic in cities because mm -hmm. the fucking it could be dangerous you know mm -hmm. and then someone else is like i like my water hot <laughs> i'm not giving I'm, I'm not giving up my fucking hot water give it back i like my hot ass hot water fun yes yes very much yes i do like my water hot as well <laughs> <laughs> oh god damn it <laughs> um a lot of these kinds of but that is exactly an example of a political conflict is like these two states are in flux and how those two things interact with each other are important. Um, in any political system, you have to kind of come to the idea of where the balance is, right? And even in addition to that, you need to know, like, what's the power structure like? Is it feudal monarchy? Or is it a republic? Is there like local lords who all come together as a form of like parliament to discuss the go comings and goings of the kingdom? Um, anarchy, communism, like, you know. Most traditional D&D games generally go with the like feudal monarchy dynamic with, you know, barons and dukes and lords and kings emperors etc etc politics fancy yeah. i want i want the third prince to become king because yeah. i i have carried some favor with him and he yeah. will allow me to trade more slaves through this <laughs> passage mm -hmm. the and other king protects... has long since illegalized such merchantilism however he he, he may act virtuous but we all know that he secretly has a harem of all <laughs> sorts of fucked up shit. And that's, and that's bad, but, um... No, I'm also well, a slave I, owner, I, I am, so I'm not I'm, I, I, am, I am a virtuous slave uh -huh. trader. Mm -hmm. I, only, I only trade in... The, the Next non the campaign you run, have a virtuous slave trader, and see how that works out for you. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, yes, it is me, only the nicest of slave runner. <laughs> I take good care of my slaves. Let them go. No, no, no such thing. They are still slaves, but mm -hmm. I treat them well, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but this when is actually <laughs> lending really well into our next topic for who's on top and who's on bottom. We all Whoa. know Nathan's a bottom. We don't even have to discuss that anymore. But... <laughs> But it's one of those things where you kind of have to get an idea for how social and political structures work. Who are the people who, who literally are on top of the pyramid, so to speak? And who are the people who 
exist in a state of general servitude to the people on top. Um, how do the political elite interact with and impact these people? Are they generally like a non-guided hand or are they oppressive authoritarians? Like, and, and like, once again, this thing is so important to key back to your key pillars, your ideas of themes. Like, how do you want this world to feel like the politics? If you want a kind of a oppressive feeling game, getting authoritarians in the politics portion is a great way I love to, for, to forward that. Wait, no. You don't. <laughs> I love it. It is great. It I, makes I think me feel all sad. Just a contrarian. <laughs> <laughs> he's like authority, yay! yay. And then he's like, "I'm gonna pirate the shit out of this editing software." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yes, no. That that's a joke, by the way. I don't pirate. <laughs> I have to legally say that. Um, <laughs> so moving on. Legally required to inform you, I do not pirate any of my software. <sighs> Say that to the seven gigabytes of free software he's downloaded and is selling retail price to other people in the military. That that is um <laughs> this is slander. This slander and, and untruthful. So who is on top, Josh? Who is on top? So when we're discussing the people who are on top, we're talking about the political elite, um, your kings, your aristocrats, your wealthy merchants, um, generally political apparatus exist to s- exist to serve these people. Um, there's a reason why a lot of crimes are <laughs> okay. This is going to get real, but there's a reason why a lot of crimes are punishable by fine, and that's for rich people. They don't care. Um, a Whoa. $50 speeding ticket is basically a suggestion to someone who makes 10 times that amount in an hour. Um, as I opposed mean, to someone who makes $8 an hour and has to work 10 hours to pay off their speeding ticket. Josh, this got a yep. bit real. If we're talking politics, it's going to get real. <laughs> I just realized something. Laws are a threat created by the no, dominant socioeconomic class. I, no, I, I realized a different thing. I need to start making more money. I want to start committing crimes left and right. Let's go. Yeah, make this absolutely. Happen. You got to make more money if you want to commit those crimes. Imagine this. If you rob banks and then had enough money to pay back those fines from, the, from robbing <laughs> the banks, you can make a profit. You think, think about it. Most of the time, That's how it they works, right? make you give that money back. It's like, uh, oh, oh. Uh. Oh, that no. sucks. My, my <laughs> business plan. It's ruined. <laughs> um, real talk, though. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's call it unscrupulous business, con- uh, business decisions um, that scam people out of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, of which they are charged a measly couple grand fine. Um, those are things that happen all the time. And, um, you know, it's not, it's, it's not going to stop them if they've made 10 times the amount that they're getting fined for and don't have to give the money back. I'm just saying. Sounds like a plan. All it teaches Josh. them is that crime does pay. <laughs> God. Ugh, well, ugh. Okay. Anyway. So- <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so think about that as you're making your political system is who are the people who are in charge, who get to write the political system. So, and who so, are the people who are on bottom who have to uh, suffer for it? <laughs> so, yeah. Me. How do the political elite interact with and impact the lower strata? This is very, very highbrow shit here. Um, okay. Functionally, what that means is, is how do the rich assholes treat the not rich Whoa. assholes? <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, okay. Oh, shit. So Getting you're telling it. me, so like, let's say this this guy that goes around town um buying up shit mm-hmm. and then uh you know people are sad because they're like yo i like that you know that, <laughs> i that, like that, that being owned by a small business owner and not yes. a corporation and then there's another guy who's like ah oh, i'm going to um donate to the poor but now uh i have something to hold over these people it's very nice mm-hmm. i like this very fun. I can just take it away. I can control these thoughtless masses. Very, very <laughs> epic. <laughs> very base. Um, yeah. How understanding, kind of getting, getting an idea for at least how the people in charge treat the common, basically working man and woman. Um, and not even necessarily like face to face. Like you don't even have to have a moment where the aristocrat hits a poor urchin and the the aristocrat the aristocrat hits a poor urchin on the face and says away with you you sick dog um but like haven't cuff cuff um have an understanding of kind of how do the people in charge view the people below them and how do the people below them view the people in charge um you know sometimes in life you just need to be rich enough to the point where People no longer can compare themselves to you. So, so, uh, you know, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Now you don't have the, the issue anymore. Very epic. I mean, people will still think about you. Like people think about Jeff Bezos right now. Or Mark Whoa. Zuckerberg. You mean that Mark, we all know that Mark Zuckerberg is a person. fish person. <laughs> Mark so Zuckerberg I'm, is in fact a, Sentient space lizard. <laughs> I like. I'm not the one for conspiracy theories. However, <laughs> I do. I think we all agree. I'm not convinced that is Mark not Zuckerberg a human. has ever been a human being. I don't know that guy. You know, there's something off about him. You know, <laughs> like just... you know how there's like a sparking of life in people's eyes. I don't even know if that's a thing, but if that, that was a thing, he'd be missing it. No, I get it. I get it. You're like, where's his soul? I don't I don't feel it. He seems he seems so empty. Like, have you ever <laughs> seen him? He just looks like what you would get like if you created a cloning machine and then it was like, "Oh, this is the brain dead clone." It's like, "Whoa." I can tell. <laughs> yes, yeah, clearly something missing. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Now that we finished our Mark Zuckerberg drag hour, <laughs> um, get an understanding for how the political structure handles law and how it handles chaos, um, what it considers evil and what it considers good. 
Um, these things will help bring another level to your world building. Um, that isn't nobles exist to give the players quests or like stuff like that. Um, it gives a type of three dimensionality that I think a lot of maybe first time world builders are lacking a little bit. Um, and it's not like you have to create entire diverse family trees of information for uh, how the king's nephew's great cousin um, is also the Baron of Gorkenschnoft, which is a 14 person town. Like You don't have to go that deep, um, but kind of get an understanding for how the structures of your government exist. Um, because mm -hmm. in all of human history, uh, no culture has not have some form of governing body. This is our governing governing body. This guy is called uh, Troy. He's, what a body uh, on Troy! He he's our leader <laughs> and big boy. He's our leader and our big boy. Oh, he he can um. He, he he fucks man. He he, he fucks people up. <laughs> he he fucks man. <laughs> he fucks man. Not sure if it's he fucks comma man or he fucks man. <laughs> <laughs> I think both might be true. I'm not this, sure. This man Same. does in fact fucks man and he fucks man. <laughs> you know. You know. This guy can I don't... get it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> Just like Josh, mm-hmm. Frantic typing, yeah, frantically typing. <laughs> he fucks, man. What's his name? Jordan. <laughs> Troy. At Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So, <laughs> law versus chaos in politics. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, 
this really, really applies to the kind of governmental system that you're putting together, right? Uh, how legalistic they are versus how more like go with the flow they are. Whoa. Um, like, I'm going to give some example on like some actual historical stuff um, in like the Cleopatrian bureaucracy of Egypt. Um, the state was functionally a money making body, right? Um, well, okay, I say right. Like, of right, course, I know but, that. <laughs> this, I, the state was, I, Nathan, and very, am very well read. Mm -hmm. I know these things. The state was functionally a money making body, and so any time that a law was broken or a like something was violated, almost every single time it was rectified through the use of fines or additional taxation, because they just wanted their fucking money. <laughs> they just wanted their money back that was possibly lost by the um, ne'er-do-wells. Those damn ne'er-do-wells? Yeah. I wish they and were far-do-wells. And so the law exists as a kind of money-making enterprise. Still your cash. Still your cash dot JPEG. Um... As opposed to something that's a little bit more legalistic, you know, culture where, you know, every crime could have been punishable by getting your hand chopped off if you were caught stealing or um, days on end in the stocks if you were caught doing X crime um, where punishment is meted out in a court or even sometimes not even in a court. Sometimes the basically governing hey, body I, finding I'm, out or just hearing that you've been doing naughty and then they're like okay punishment time like how that works is important and it changes the feel of different cultures I, I think we should change a culture to work off a sort of credit system so that Ooh, like a social you know, credit yeah i think that it's a very good <laughs> idea you, like hear me out right I'm so listening. like you do some little bad thing right Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can. Yeah, it's not gonna. It's not gonna like fine you or anything. It's gonna be fine. It's just that like slowly over time, it gets worse and worse. You treat mm -hmm. you get treated more like a subhuman. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think I think that's good shit. You know, we have that in America. It's called it's... credit. <laughs> Whoa, sheesh! I guess sheesh. very very nice. Very nice. But also, I think we're talking about China. <laughs> Whoa, what? No, what? No, no, we couldn't no. possibly be doing that. No, I, I love China. China number one. Yes, yes. <laughs> I like Yes. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the truth, listeners. I cannot tell if that's Nathan saying something in Mandarin or if that's him being racist as hell. Shame on you, regardless. <laughs> <laughs> um, may, I, may I inform you that it's both? So, okay, yes. there we go. <laughs> Joke's on you, I was doing both the whole time. <laughs> I am saying something incredibly racist and speaking Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> it's typing time. Okay. All right. Evil versus good. Oh, okay. Um, in, so this is an interesting thing as far as like governance works. Because 
The government law doesn't evil. always like lawfulness does not always mean good, <laughs> and chaos does not always mean evil, right? Um, the way that your culture chooses to set itself up on the lawful chaos, evil good axis will determine the way the culture interprets things like evil and good. And just because something is good does not mean it is legal, and something just because something is evil does not mean it is illegal. Um, and just fitting that kind of dynamic into your governing system is important because it gets you kind of a handle on how the culture kind of views personal versus governmental responsibilities. Um, we're, we're getting pretty deep in the weeds here on, you know, how politics and religion and influence governance and how that might take into play into your world building. I would say most of the time politics like th getting this deep into politics is an easy way to get lost into the weeds of your world building um and really only necessary if your adventurers or protagonists um find themselves in conflict with the law right conflictation yeah because there i mean i can't tell you the number of times excellent stories have made a objectively good character be basically in the wrong legally because they're in a different culture than they're used to. Um, right. Like, those kinds of things set themselves up incredibly can we, well. Can we make our good protagonist guy have extremely bad views on things? Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, that. that's not even it. Like, our protagonist of Robin Hood is on the wrong side of the law. Like, his antagonist is literally a lawman. Um, we would say that he does good because what he's doing is he's stealing from the rich, giving to the poor, uh, acting charitably, um, fighting against an un unrightful king. Stealing from the poor, giving to the rich. Boom. Yeah. We call that America. Um, <laughs> I'm putting America on blast today. Hope we don't have any gung ho Americans who are listening. Oh, those goddamn Americans! <laughs> those fucking Americans! <laughs> it's just like you what hear knocking there, on your door. But yeah, I open up. Whoa. Um. So the Americans yes. came. They're, they're they're right at your door right now. That's why you. <laughs> they're they're right? knocking down my door trying to get me. Um. Yeah. So really, I'd say the most important part of your world building isn't the nitty gritty on what the law is in the politics, but getting an idea for how how governance happened, how the people feel about the governance happening, um, and how your characters fit into the law of the culture that you're in. Um, for example, I mean, a lot of our things are going to have adventurers in them. If adventuring is considered like a legitimate um, 
career path, how do guilds work in the context of the government? Um, how do these incredibly powerful adventurers um, interact with the law, right? Because, I mean, once you get to a certain point, no town guard in the world is going to ever touch you again. Um, so you oh, kind of no. have to get Don't an understanding it. of how these psychopaths a lot of the time well, are well. going to be viewed on. Because, I mean, straight up, a lot of uh, a lot of adventurers are dangerous sociopaths with untold magical about. powers. Oh yeah, all okay. adventurers are great. <laughs> I I I love them. We have never adventures. wronged me. They have never wronged me in any way. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm reading the script. Okay. Um, oh yeah. They and, have a uh, firebolt yeah. to my skull. If I don't if I don't read this right, they're gonna kill. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, mentioned the... Okay. Yeah, I, I think they're all great and um, very nice people. I love them. They would never hurt me or have my family hostage. Yes. Uh, they don't kill... They kill some children, but it's all justified. <laughs> very justified. <laughs> they said it was... It was trying to fight back, so, you know. Justified... Yeah. You know, self-defense, right? They yeah, said, yeah, absolutely. Self-defense, right, yeah. <laughs> um, the, this will lead itself here to the history portion of history. how politics work. It, like, it, here's the thing. History is all about the how, the why, the what, the who, the when, and the where. This is where you will get probably... This is where you will spend a lot of time writing things down that don't matter if you're not careful. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I mean, because history is basically infinite. Whoa, and history you can is get, infinite. I mean, basically, right? Like, how far back you want Wait, to go in history. It's everyone like, knows you... that history is... Ever since this morning, and that's it. That's all the history. That's that all the history you need. You know, I treat everything past that point as fiction. So, like, if I, you know, uh, messed up the other day, said too many slurs. Mm -hmm. Well, if anyone comes at me, I feel like morally justified because that's not me. You see, mm, yes, it's a fictional. Group I'm, I'm a different person name. today. <laughs> I'm a different. Person, I'm saying different you know? slurs today. Exactly. <laughs> I'm changing with the times. I'm doing mm -hmm. all the the what's hip, you know, what's new, um, as a kid say. Yeah, of course. So what's the the thing about history is it's incredibly mm -hmm. important culturally, right? Um, and and. History itself has changed a lot over the course of history. Um, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, history, a lot of it was fictionalized. Um, they, the got their, they got their sources from a soldier's brother's friend who happened to be there and who they talked to about it. And there are no original sources for us to go back to. And we kind of have to take 
a lot of people's words for it that that was the way things were. Can you imagine inventing a time machine and going back and it's like... And realize none of the awesome speeches that generals said before fighting someone happened? not just that. It's (laughs) just imagine if it was like, oh, you know that war that happened? It wasn't nearly as big an epic as they told it. It's just like, literally just a bunch of guys throwing it out. All the time. Like, we like, know oh, for a fact that Julius Caesar embellished on his, on his battles. Um, literally three guys there. They're <laughs> punching each other. Oh, that guy, that guy tripped. Oh, oh whoa. The general. Uh, uh, oh, he's damn. asleep. Whoa. Oh, sheesh. Um, like, he's taking a nappy, you know? So much of history is embellished. Um, and it's fine, because... Really, history is just that. It's stories that we tell ourselves about the past. History is a lie. It did not form happen, our now. You know? Okay, let's not go that far. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, histories change across cultures. Like, the Vietnam War is viewed very differently by Vietnam than it is, like, talked about in America. Exactly. The Vietnamese won. Yeah. Well, we don't and say Americans, that. American law. American eat, eat shit, America. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell, American. You suck. Run back with the tail between your legs, imperialist yeah, dogs. You, you, you fucking... Imagine having so much military power, but still losing. Whoa. Imagine, imagine losing to a country one hundredth your size. Couldn't be me. Whoa. <laughs> um, but, yeah. It's like bringing a knife to a gunfight and winning. <laughs> Um, so how is history impacts your world building is going to be important. It's, it's a lot of it is going to be based off of where the story happens, when the story's happening and what everyone wants to know about. Um, and the thing with history is that you can go back so far that it basically turns into something else entirely. We'll talk about that later, about, like, myth and legend. Um, But how does this particular culture group view its past? Like, are they proud of their cultural heritage? Are they something that's like, oh, we've fallen from grace, or... um, We've fallen from grace. We must make fantasy land great again. (laughs) Exactly. Um... History informs the now, but I wouldn't get too carried away with putting pen to paper on history. Um, because so much of it is incidental and isn't necessarily 100% important to your now. Right? Yep. Like, uh, you don't need to know. You don't need to know everything. Like, you, the, you can write a, lo- a significant portion of your past in pencil and pin it down as necessary. Um, it's the same thing with a lot of, of, of things in your game, is that it doesn't matter until it matters. Have an idea, basically, of... Big, big, big events that shape the now in very serious ways. Um, but you don't need to have an entire timeline of how every single year 
what happened and, and small events that happened here and there and where and when and why like that i i have done that myself like this is coming from a place of experience players don't care and your characters a lot of the times don't realize how their history has shaped them um indeed I'm, it's true and it, what the thing is is that like i i'm a person who loves history here in the real world i'm also a person who loves putting history in my games and i can't tell you the number of times i have gotten literally lost in the sauce of pinning down history and realized Josh, after he, he, he looks hours up from his table. hours of work to realize oh i talked about nothing in this for no, a no, long like, like, time josh is like okay so right now i'm writing about the third epoch and now the dragons <laughs> fight the dinosaurs mm-hmm. in an epic battle mm-hmm. okay okay you know and i've been writing about does, this for four hours and we're in the seventh epoch i should probably write about the now <laughs> like whoa most of these things don't exist anymore. Like it's, tr- it's true. Like I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, can you imagine some? Like, like, imagine if real life was war building, and then some fucker was like, you know, I'm just gonna write about all the dinosaurs, <laughs> and then they're running a campaign in modern day. It's like, yeah, so there's the tr- Triceratops. Triceratops didn't really apply to my greater vision <laughs> of, the, <laughs> of the campaign. Um, so so that, that a word of warning to you all. It is so easy to get lost in the sauce of historical world building. Um, stick to things that are very important. Uh, things that impact character and character decisions that impact culture and then impact the entire region. Um, if it's something very localized, let that be something that the like, characters create for themselves. Um, also, if history is very important to one specific section, like having a very detailed historical account for a specific quest or for a specific dungeon and how, you know, how they interact with that dungeon, that's fun. Um, you will find that you do not have every single answer to a historical curiosity in a dungeon. Um, it's just not something that happens. Most religious temples and dungeons like that are dedicated to specific stories and specific like specific historical happenings. Um, in such a way that you will not get an entire picture of a culture's existence from exploring one dungeon of theirs. So this is the dungeon of wet farts? Yes, ah, tragic. The demigod of wet farts, of course, born of the two gods, the goddess of water, a.k.a. the sea, and also the god (laughs) of disease, (laughs) of pestilence. (laughs) The wet fart d- demigod. The demigod of wet fart. The demigod of wet patooties. Uh, I mean, I feel like that's good on his. Do you have anything that you want to add to like history and like world building or like, like where, what's your idea on it? 
Because we might have two kind of separate ideas on how history impacts gameplay or history impacts well, storytelling. Um, my personal opinion on history is that it's nice fluff. That's yes. that's basically it. It's something mm-hmm. you add um, sparingly onto um, what do you call it? That? Environment it gives stories weight. It does. Yeah, like environment storylines and so on and so forth with characters and such. Um, generally not going too far back, but basically enough to give an idea on how things happen mm-hmm. and uh, just allowing things to have a sort of internal logic uh, and like cause and effect to them. History is really good when applied to um, items of power. Um, if you have a really cool magic weapon, sometimes a plus two magic weapon needs to be a little cooler than just being a plus two magical weapon, right? Um, and so you kind of craft a story for it. Why is it here? What happened to it? History of specific places and history of specific things can be a lot of fun. I would just always warn you, don't get into too much of the nitty gritty about it have an understanding of the purpose no, of the history that you're putting together. Go deep into the nitty gritty about <laughs> it. Dive. Tell me how that goes. Like, deep, you know, if dive. you ever come back from it, <laughs> it's like a uh, breaking news. Um, the, 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 the R- Rifts and Realms podcast has suggested the most horrible thing <laughs> around the country. People are, people are going missing as they <laughs> stay at home writing long histories and never coming out. <laughs> Let's bring ourselves to our correspondent at the location. Like, yeah, I've been sitting here for days. This is Josh at home. He's been writing about the history of the 30 pack for four hours, and it doesn't go into play whatsoever to the majority of his campaign. You've actually put the con the campaign on hiatus because you're writing about so much of its history. Oh God! Yeah. Wait, Josh, mm-hmm. have you actually done that? Mm-hmm. Put a game on hiatus because, yeah, I I Whoa. I had a a kind of deadline for when we wanted to start playing, and I got so lost in the sauce of writing on things about like history and stuff like that that we didn't start playing for another month, basically. Wow, Josh. <sighs> Yeah. You shouldn't be disappointed in yourself. Well, it's not necessarily disappointed. I mean, like, I didn't use a lot of the history that I had made. And so I, I was like, I could have just been having fun for the last two months. And instead, I have made this, um, I, I have made this incredibly more difficult for myself and lost a lot of time with things that people just straight up do not care about. Um, <laughs> it's the epitome of don't care, didn't ask. Because <laughs> you will. I Listen, listen, work. You will craft a beautiful, multi-tiered, complex, historical paradigm that you love. And that you think is just mm, complex, interesting, dynamic. And then your players will step into the world and not give a single damn. 
it's 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 yeah. true. Can, can you imagine? It's just like it's Josh, Josh, Josh is over there. So about this inn, this door <laughs> was from. It's like well, this everyone else's door like, was crafted from wood of a blah blah tree. It's like okay, I kick the door and the, I fucking break the door. Let's go. Like wait, no, I had four more pages of flavor text. <laughs> Anyone like I said at the table, check on this wall. <laughs> I roll a history check on the floor. Mm -hmm. Ooh, a deeply historical floor you have. Yeah, you like uh, the Great Bar Fight of 1969. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good times. You would actually recognize died. this bar as a historical bar. Um, from the 1943s, it was a speakeasy during the Great Depression. And what it's <laughs> and like, they're like, it's 20. Straight wait, up, I just want to It's 2137. <laughs> 37. This, this is not important. <laughs> I just want to drink here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Perfect. Let's see. What is a legend? Are you a legend, Josh? Josh. Uh, I am Josh. the one, the only, the legendary Josh. Mm -hmm. Off the, off the internet. Mm -hmm. The legendary Josh. <laughs> the one and only. The unspeakable. <laughs> the unspeakable. The unspoken. Oh, okay. Um. So legends are where your history and religion and politics meet, right? It's not truly history, and it's not truly myth, but it kind of exists in an amorphous space in between. Um, the legendary figures typically will have a story associated with them, um, and whether or not these characters are considered like heroes and villains um, and everything like that is going to be different from culture to culture. Like what these people, what these people represent. Um, a lot of the times, if you have a kind of story where your player characters are certain people and then you do like a multi-generational fast forward, the characters themselves may become a legend, right? Um, they're typically your kind of larger than life, um, spectacular individuals who did these amazing things. Um, things for like in the real world, legends will be like, um, your heroes of the Trojan War in the Odyssey and the Iliad, stuff like that. I know these things. Mm hmm. I've, read them before yeah mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> have you no <laughs> okay um i know i don't know uh, there <laughs> i i was gonna go pull like a chinese example and i the only thing i could think of was romance of the three kingdoms um all right it's the like a lot of those figures are larger than life right um, I mean, I can give you a legend slash religious thing. Um, go ahead. Like, uh, this is still in Buddhism, where there's this uh, 
it's, it's it's not really a Buddhist story. It's more legend than Buddhist. But mm-hmm. uh, there's this guy called Tripitaka that needs to go travel to the West to ah journey for, to the West. Some, yes, yes, yeah, some fuck shit. He, he wants to get some documents or something. His dra- mm-hmm. fucking passport done. I don't know. Oh yeah, but <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> so he travels west, finds this badass monkey, kicks ass kicks all the ass actually he doesn't really kick ass it just kind of chants it's kind of boring but you know Tripitaka does not do much ass kicking the monkey does most of the ass kicking <laughs> no you know the thing i hate most about mm-hmm. like this is totally a tangent but the thing i hate most about mm-hmm. western retellings of the journey to the west is that they they, they make uh Sun Kong, who is basically the monkey right that's his proper name they Sunu make him Kong. too hot <laughs> no they make him they make him a fucking idiot which is not the case he's supposed to be fucking powerful and scary like it, it he, he does really fuck shit um <laughs> like he, he steals shit from heaven he fucks people up it's mm-hmm. really cool and then in the western he's just like some bumbling idiot <laughs> no, I, I can't stand it F- fucking fucking bullshit Right here. Sun Wukong, the monkey king under the mountain? What? Like, supposed all to be my all retellings of Sun Wukong have him oh, so handsome. Like, that's not the point. The point <laughs> is that he's like, he's like this, this like creature, like, like this demon guy, you know? Mm-hmm. You're not to trust him. He, he's kind of a dick, you know? He still mm-hmm. shit, fuck shit up. Uh, you know, literally gets put under a mountain. Literally, yeah. Like he's so badass. He's a ring of power. And then everyone's just like, "Yo, haha, monkey, funny, yes, (laughs) haha, monkey, dumb, big dumb monkey, haha." Yeah. Anyway, back to legends. (laughs) Back to legends. But I mean, like that is a perfect example of like that's. I would say that that is more myth than legend. Um. I'd say something more along the lines of like, but that's just it. Like these things intersect with each other so importantly. I mean, like um, historically speaking, this the tra- the journey to the west is probably a true story in terms of there being a journey to the west mm-hmm. uh, for the scriptures. It's just that all the other stuff is added on later. Added on. on. Um, and I don't think there's a magic monkey man <laughs> out there. Um, but that's Unless, kind um, of very... similar to the Romance of the Three Kingdoms, which is like a lot of these people are historical people who did these historical things. Um, but we add just enough to make them a little bit more larger than life, right? Like just enough like to make the, the I forgot. to make them fit important cultural narratives i forgot who what the guy's name was but there's one of the three that's like oh he ha- he carries this fuck off big thing big weapon that's supposedly really fucking heavy and that's like a whole thing it's like oh his weapon oh it's the heaviest weapon you know this it's weapon so is, heavy takes 10 men to carry <laughs> it's like so thick and girthy oh yeah yeah he, he's is that what you're thinking about right now nathan things that are no. thick and girthy it's not really thick and girthy. It's just like heavy. <laughs> that's all. This is big old metal. It's a big metal blade thing on the staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so getting legend—I'd say legends are incredibly fun to put together. Um, the legend of the tree chickens. 
There Very was true. once three chickens <laughs> in the farm. They killed the entire family and went Sheesh. off on the journey to find themselves. One became, the, <laughs> one became the CEO of one of the biggest corporations. Oh, they call him Jeff Chicos. <laughs> Another attained godhood. Ooh. And the last. Chicas. The last became a warlord that <laughs> took over half of the continent. <laughs> Genghis name was <laughs> Genghis Cluck. Let's go. <laughs> Genghis Cluck. Um, but yeah, these stories are a lot of the times things that inspire. Um, they center around heroes or villains, and like maybe the legendariness of these characters change across cultures, like where one person might see a hero the other person might see like a villain um and having that kind of dichotomy really does make the world feel alive um because not everyone's going to be having the same heroes right um one person's liberator is another person's uh revolutionary conqueror kind of thing um and having that be a part of people's histories is fun, especially if you're going to be having players or characters that come from different walks of life, um, different places with different ideas on what history should be like. Um, and of course, these legends, do they attempt to inspire people or are they words of warning? Um, that's kind of more where legend hits religion is right, like, is yeah, like, is this kind of like a hey? Just because you're powerful, don't get too uppity, or else their gods are gonna smack yeah, you down. It's like, like ah, the till of, uh, I don't know. Let's see, Borthon the Gray, Borthon the Gay. He ah. was <laughs> so very gay that he stole every man's heart, and oh. you know, people weren't very happy, so they killed him. <laughs> He, he is the man that we all now know today as the one who took, um, you know, the, the patron saint of gays. What? The patron saint <laughs> of the gays. Really? <laughs> Whoa. Okay, he died. Wait, hold up. Let me pray he died, for a second. <laughs> he died here. to save us all. Yay. <laughs> um, but yeah, these... These legends, this is an important part of people's history, and they do kind of a great job of their stories that people tell themselves, right? Um, your legends are things that will inform your players about the culture that they're in, um, what they idolize, what they, you know, disapprove of. And a lot of the times they're an excellent kind of not necessarily warning, but like foreshadowing of things to come. Right. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times you'll find that stories have a tendency to repeat themselves. And um, I'm just going to use an excellent little bit of world building that dark souls does in the very first dark souls games. 
you start off with a creation mythos. Um, like Ember literally, <laughs> not just the Ember, but like, you know, Gwen, the first Lord of the Flame, Nito of the Undead, like Seath the Scaleless and the Witch Queen of Isolith are basically it's Guys, a rundown Josh of is such a nerd yo hey, shut up. it is literally a rundown <laughs> of all the people you're going to be fighting in the game um but it's also a legend to tell you what the world is like right now it's it's it's, it's honestly an incredible bit of world building of like how legend tells the story of the now the ideological portion of your world building Everything should tie itself back to your core pillars, the core themes and ideas that you want to get across. Um, don't let yourself get too bogged down in the nitty gritty of anything that it prevents you from play, that it prevents you from writing the now. Um, if push comes to shove, you know, things can get pinned down later. Um it's more important to get an understanding for the vibes and the aesthetic that you're going for than it is to have anything specific um, in place. Um, your ideological world building basically boils down to how people view themselves, uh, the stories they tell about themselves, and how people view others in the story that they say about others. Um, yeah, is there anything that you want to add? Okay. I would say that at the end of the day, when it comes to ideolo ideological stuff, write what feels right for you uh, mm -hmm. in terms of what, what is needed for your story. And, you know, make it a process that you do um, to add to your world, to give... Uh, certain things a deeper backstory a uh, deeper level of understanding personally so that you can branch off from there and create cause and effect mm -hmm. and yeah that's basically how I put ideological as a topic yeah thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Realms please leave us a review and give us 5 stars on iTunes also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash riffwakepodcast 2 stars loads a dollar and even that much really helps us out supporters get benefits such as behind the scenes content early access to episodes access to the monthly hangout where we will chat with the cast and even inputs on Riffs and Rules topics find us on social media on Twitter at riffwakepodcast join our Discord now it's free um, <laughs> you can find it in the description and send us an email at reflectpodcasts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and have a good evening, because it's nighttime. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 